What's up, y'all? Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast but wasn't sure how to get your feet off the ground? Thanks to our Keep It Growing initiative, now is your chance. We are conducting a search to find the next podcast to produce under the Keep It 100 Productions team. And we're looking for applicants to send in their information to see if they'd be a fit for this show. This new show can truly be about whatever you want. It can have a total of up to three co-hosts to go along with it. Whoever we select, the show will be produced by the Keeper 100 family. You will receive a new microphone and headphones from our team. And you also have an audio editor that will be paid for by our company. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me. Hurry up and apply. Applications are due by March 11th. Go to ki100pod.com forward slash keep it growing. So sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Keep It One with Dakota Jersey. I just had a cinnamon roll. I was so unfortunate. I'm Dakota. <laughs> We're keeping this, bro. We're keeping that. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> I was so unfortunate. It's the funniest shit. Oh god! I felt it. And I really tried to hold it in. I was, I was like trying to. I was like, I need to get this out while it's counting down, or I need to hold it in. And then you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's up, y'all? You I'm... like threw up or something just then. Holy oh my shit. god! We are back with part two with our chat with Zach. Um. Hopefully you listened to the first part from last week. If not, stop this episode right now. Go back um, and listen to that one. (laughs) But uh, as I said, I'm Dakota. And I'm Chorsey. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get back into it. Take it away, Chorsey. Yeah. All right, boys. Let's continue this conversation. So, ZB, um, something I wanted to talk to you about, because I don't think this is a topic that we have had much conversation about. Uh, other than one particular summer you and I spent a lot of time together on. Um, <laughs> Another one. One of the things we typically ask our guests, because we've had a, a lot of our guests who come through all different walks of life, all diff- different backgrounds, um, but we all share, I guess, a commonality of being men. Uh, so one of the, the things that we have been asking our guests is kind of how they grew into and were able to define their masculinity and what it means to be a man. Um, so I wanted to pose that question to you, you know, in terms of growing up, how did you kind of figure out your personal definition of what it means to be a man? And if you have the ability, uh, do you have like an actual specific definition that you utilize of what it means to be a man? Wow. I would have loved a little interview prep for this. I didn't know this. (laughs) Um, let me think on that first. You get like four seconds, bro. One, <laughs> two. We can do the Jeopardy theme song while you like figuring <laughs> shit out. 
<laughs> Although that may stress you out more. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, I got a little secret for you. We've got an audio editor on staff, so if you leave a big gap, you can just clip it. It's called magic, and I don't know how she does it. <laughs> it's magic. Um, oh, God. That's such an, I think that's such an interesting question. Um, and I, I probably won't answer the question, and I'll probably ask you what the question was again. <laughs> but um, totally good. For, for me... The idea and concept of being a man um, when I was growing up was always tied to masculinity and gender norms, uh, which in itself for me was tied into a lot of heteronormative activities and definitions and, and concepts and ideas. And I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> um, there you go. You're back. All right. <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, and I think even as I'm saying this, I'm having snippets of different conversations and, you know, levels of mockery and things, you know, from when I was a kid starting theater to where I am now, where the, the concept of doing theater as someone who identifies as a cisgendered um, heterosexual man I was often bullied and I was, you know, called different slurs and there were so many assumptions about my sexuality and who I did or didn't like because of, you know, what other perceptions someone was seeing on or off stage. And so the concept of, you know, what it means to be a man for me is something that I, I think I'm still in parts defining um, because it was something that was always defined for me when I was growing up. Um, I was always told that, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing theater. Um, and again, because it was defined by what I was doing, which is defined by different ideas of heteronormativity, you know, I shouldn't be doing theater. I shouldn't be singing or performing or showing emotions in a cathartic manner. Um, so I think, in, in, again, in one part, I think a lot of my definition is is still being determined, is still like in flux. Um, and I think the other part of all of this is... You know, my family, when I was growing up, was incredibly supportive, you know, for any number of reasons, right? Whether I was doing theater or doing anything else, mm -hmm. um, you know, and my mom identifies as uh, bisexual. She identified as bisexual growing up. Um, and I, I haven't asked her, but I'd be curious. I think that, you know, now she might actually identify as pansexual. Um, and I just, I, I grew around, grew up around a very specific household that, didn't force me to define what it meant to be a man, um, you know, and I think now, and I'm kind of like sitting with this as I'm talking, to be honest, I think I, I have more of a definition of what it means to just be a person that maybe has more masculine traits or more, you know, presents themselves as masculine. I, I would almost see that as a definition of being a man as opposed to like the concept of a man. Um, which again, I know is not like answering the question. This is just like, I that question for me doesn't sit in any one place. It sits sort of really circuitously um, mm -hmm. because of my experiences growing up. Um, and now I'm just thinking. Because the, uh, the question like was- a, I'm still going back to- oh. No, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Nothing I was going to say was important. Please continue. <laughs> Well, what can you? What was the question again? Like very specifically, just so I can hear the language. I was curious about 
well, the first part you answered, which was um, what basically what were some of your how was your uh, definition of masculinity or being a man shaped based on your upbringing was the first part. Mm-hmm. And then your the second part was basically if it is possible, because uh, we've had guests who they don't really have a concrete definition or they don't use a definition because it's not important really to define uh, what it means to be a man. But if there is verbiage that fits and feels comfortable mm-hmm. to you, what is the definition of what it means to be a man? I thank you for that clarification. Um, so I think to the, to the second part of the question of, you know, this definition of what it means to be a man, I think is, I think is just really self-defined. I think that everyone has their own conception of what it means to be a man whether it's in a relationship or whether that's tied to, you know, fatherhood or brotherhood or what have you. Um, I think my definition of, of manhood is so vastly different from, you know, from Dakota's or from yours, Chorsey. And so I, I just, I don't think there's any one definition. And again, I think just as someone who grew up doing theater, as someone who grew up in the arts, as someone who grew up with um, a community that was so accepting of anything that I brought to the table, um my my definition of being a man changed and continues to change you know and i'm i'm honestly i'm very curious you know when i have kids one day what their definition is of masculinity and being a man because i think that the world we're going to be in whenever that time is it's going to be so vastly different from where we are now good question hard question <laughs> It is a very hard yeah. question, and I feel like my answer changes every time I ask it. Hundred <clears throat> percent. I remember. I think. I think it was the Rojas interview when he answered it and then asked it back to us. I was just like, I didn't expect this. I don't have an answer. You were so upset. I was like, it's our show. You, you don't get to ask us questions. <laughs> he really did. Throw, he threw it right back. If at I'm not us. ready for, it, I ain't saying it. Yeah. Are you guys ready for it today? <laughs> I mean, I think as ready as. We would be. Like, I've kind of gotten this. I have to have an answer for it. You volunteered a lot for me, bitch. Hey, <laughs> it's happened every single time. So I, we're not allowed I to be surprised that. anymore about this. Um, <laughs> do you do you want to go last, Schwarzy? Is it an issue? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think my definition keeps evolving and changing. Um, you know, especially like, as my current life evolves and changes, I mean, I think we've gone through very drastic change, especially in the past two years. Um, so my answer when we started the show would be different than it is now. Um, and I think it's always kind of difficult because I reflect, like as a kid, like I grew up in a very heteronormative military environment. Like most of my childhood, at least my developmental years, was overseas on military bases in the do not, like, don't ask, don't tell era. Um, so very, um, very heteronormative, cisgender, like, you know, it was the military, so kind of like aggression, really. Um, like, physical labor, physical, you know, everything. Um, and I grew up with three sisters, and we're all very close in age, and my younger sister, all my sisters were stronger than me. So that's like the youngest. So that was like my old sister was super athletic and I was uh, indoorsy and I had allergies, you know? So I was kind of not really the epitome of uh, 
the military was looking for, you know? I, I got grounded for reading too much. Like, that's, let's put that out there. All right? I love it. I was told to go outside and like, but my Benadryl! You know, that was me. That was me as a kid. Um, and then it evolved. Like, like I played sports. Um, and then I did a musical in seventh grade. Didn't really do much in high school and then got in, back into it um, in college. Because I got the love from like watching my mom do community theater. So like the arts were always around. But my involvement in it wasn't. Um, what was that face, Dorsey? I didn't know Christy did theater. Yeah. Um, I got into theater watching my mom do uh, Guys and Dolls and Grease. So I always have a love for those two shows because my mom. Um, and then watching Fin of the Opera, the Dread Butler one, because that was what I had access to, you know. Um, so those three musicals really, like, hit home for me. Um, I think this really got me into big ensemble shows. I think, that, like, growing mm-hmm. up on those shows, like, helped influence, like, my preferences in theater. Um, like, to this day, like, the, like, nearly, I can't remember what moment it is. In the movie, during Masquerade, when, like, the, like, the key changes and they start going down the stairs. One of my all-time favorite moments in musicals. Yep. Um, but, like, growing up, I didn't really fit the image of being a man that was presented to me. Um, so it was always kind of, like, striving for that and knowing, like, it just it just wasn't me. Like, I tried it. I would have loved to do that as a kid. Like, role models were, you know, like, the fighter pilots and like special ops people that my family knew. I was like, Oh, that'd be so cool. And I was like, skin and bones, like, you know, didn't like working out. Still don't. I do it, but I don't like it. Um, so it definitely, it definitely changes. And then, you know, like being in theater as a, you know, cisgender heterosexual man, like people will have like sometimes certain assumptions about you, like, made fun of a little bit in middle school for it and i think that might have been a decision why i didn't really do it in high school um especially since i moved so much that i was like i was always trying to find friend groups because when i went to high school um all those kids had known each other you know through their schools and i'd been in the u.s for like two years which is very weird looking at me and being like if you were in the u.s where were you um <laughs> but uh so there's a a big reason why, like, I didn't really do it in high school. Like, you know, I'm like a white dude with an American accent. Like, where were you lost? But, yeah, so it's definitely, like, it keeps evolving, keep changing. But I think, um, and, like, as I meet more people, I think it changes. And as I, you know, if I wake up tomorrow, it might be different. Really, for me, it's just, like... Mm. I think the biggest things that I see in um, some of the male role models in my life, which you two are, is like accountability and like respect. I think you two are two of the most accountable and like respectful people that I know. Um, especially, the, definitely the most emotionally intelligent, like for sure. Um, so I think, I don't know. I think those are like the biggest traits that I see in being a man, but it's really, I think it's self-defined. Like if somebody gave me a different definition, I'd be like, yeah, sounds good. That's great. I think it's whatever <laughs> it's whatever you need it to be, I think, for you. Is really what it means to be a man. It's the best answer I can give. 
Uh, this question is very difficult to answer. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I've struggled with being able to define what it means to be a man partially because because I am gay, I always feel like it also ends up defining who I'm allowed to be attracted to. Mm. And so it feels like it not only pigeonholes myself as a cisgender man, but it also ends up pigeonholing my partners. Oh, interesting. Which feels <laughs> even worse <laughs> than if I was just pigeonholing myself. Um, and, and, you know, there was a point in college where, if I was perfectly honest, if I were asked this question at the right time, and if I was around the right people that I was comfortable with, I probably would have just told you I, I really more identify more as gender fluid than I do as a cisgender man. It Pronouns and gender just isn't all that important to me. Mm. Um, I pretty much – I use being a man because it's easier in my life. It is a lot easier when it comes to filling out paperwork, (laughs) when it comes to uh, expectations of what people have of me. And it's just an easier life to live if I just tell people I am a man versus really explaining to them that gender is just not high on my priority list of who I am. Um, I I know I carry a lot of masculine energy. I also know I also carry some feminine energy. Um, but I also don't see my personal identity just on that kind of binary plane. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of me. <laughs> I exist. I am who I am. Um, but it's it seems like the way my brain was able to kind of come to that resolution and try to understand my own gender identity, it makes everything in my life just felt so complicated and mm-hmm. I just got tired. So I was just like, we're just going to, you know, kind of accept this and move on. Um, you know, I I'm an only child, so I didn't have any brothers growing up. Um, I had cousins, and I would not say they're the best role models for me. To be perfectly honest, the majority of them are in jail right now. Um, so really, I looked up to my father. I looked up to my godfather, godfathers, I should say. Excuse me. Um, you know, and my uh, grandfather, Chorsey. Um, but it never, I never really looked at any of those men and said, like, oh, I want to be you. There were traits and aspects of all of them that I'm like, this is what I want. And I've, you know, either consciously or subconsciously made a decision to adapt those traits into my identity to form who I am. Um, because I'm kind of weird about who I am in a sense of once I see a trait. I have a conscious conversation of, do I like this or do I not? Um, And if I like it, I adapt it. You know, one of the perfect examples I have is in fifth grade in Miss Little's class. Miss Little was my uh, social studies teacher. And one of the things she always did when she was ready to, like, get to work and, like, she was about to, like, hunker down and get some shit done. She had hair that was about here, right? Just like a cute little bob. But she'd always, like, push her hair behind her ear. For some reason, I, as a young, impressionable kid, took that trait on. 
And for me, you anytime I'm like, I'm ready to get into work, I literally, you'll see me like make these small little C's behind my ear. Boy, do you, you're literally bald on the side of your head. Like, where do you think you're putting this hair at? How are you going to tuck it? It wasn't about a gender thing. <laughs> right <laughs> it wasn't anything about like gender performance or identity for me it was just this was a comfortable trait that i liked and decided i wanted to adapt so i did um you know i've been in arts been in theater all my life uh but i have had it easier i would argue than you two just because i i am the expectation <laughs> you know i'm i am I am the norm, I guess I would say. You know, I I am who people expect when you think of a male who's in theater, a male who is a cheerleader, a male who is sing, who sings. I wish it wasn't like that, but unfortunately, you know, I am. So in that sense, like I never felt pressure by like the theater community to be like more masculine or more feminine. Um, really, the conversation only ever comes up when I'm back home with my family just because that's just how some families are and just some of those expectations like you said Dakota of how you perform your masculinity it's very toxic is the best way to put it um, and then when it comes to dating I would say it's the other area of my life where it just seems to rear its ugly head uh, because as accepting as some people in the queer community pretend to be uh, gender norms are still very much an expectation, <laughs> um, at least when it comes to cis men dating other cis men. Um, it is very much that a good a good amount, a portion of us still expect to recreate heteronormative relationships with a heteronormative life, a homonormative lifestyle, which doesn't make sense to me logically. Mm. It just it's not how this works, you know. Um, so I say all that to say, for me, being a man really just comes down to if this is how you introduce yourself to me and say this is how you identify, then I will respect that. And if that changes in the future, then it changes in the future. Because for me, I believe that your identity can be fluid because it is. Because <laughs> as we learn, as we grow, we adapt. We learn new things from the world and from other people and then we make decisions whether conscious or subconscious about how we want that to influence us mm. um it's not really about the physicality of facial hair and what you know who has what behind closed doors or anything like that it's if someone tells me they're a man then that's you know who they are you know like pronouns for me um like anytime I've done like an interact project, for example, you may have seen in a program where it says like my pronouns are pretty much any pronoun you want to use uh, because, no, I'm not going to be offended if you use she, her, hers, you know. And for a lot of cisgender men in the queer community, we use that with each other. It's just a part of like being in that community. Uh, they, them, there. It's just a natural, respectful way to be able to communicate with everyone without making an assumption about someone's gender identity. So I see no problem if someone were to use they, them, their pronouns with me because they're just trying to be inclusive with the language they use. I'm all for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a long-winded answer to say uh, I pretty much am a man because it makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> that's the best way to answer that question. 
I love that we've asked this question four times to guests, plus to each other, and we're never prepared to answer it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that kind of goes with like the essence of the question, like always staying or always changing. Because it's a very personal question, um, and every day mm-hmm. we're changing. Um, so I do like that we always ask it, like and never being prepared because we have to like honestly check in with ourselves. Because even like I tried preparing it before this call because I knew it was happening and I was like yeah. I'll find it when I start talking about it because um, I'd start like thinking I was like oh well that's not really true well that's not really true um, so it's hard it really requires you to be introspective um, I actually have a question for you two um, because like I said earlier you guys are both very mostly intelligent young men um, were there like specific role models that you both had that you think help helped build you that way? Or did you guys just like come out like this? Which is a lot of like personal learning. Um, it's like you guys both speak very, very diplomatically. Um, like we were talking about earlier with Chorus when you were shadowing Zach and it was always like, oh, do you do me a favor? Like this, this, and this. Like you're always very cognizant of how your words might be received by somebody else. I was wondering like, if that was learned because um, I think it's I think it's a big part of both your personalities whether you two see it but I definitely see it after having you know I'm the youngest in the group so I've been watching you guys for five years um, six now <laughs> oh that's scary um, I mean you two are role models to me um, I mean I'm two years younger than both of you I think uh, so like I don't mind even 25 yet my frontal lobe's not developed um, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful with that. Um, <laughs> you gonna mess it up. I got three weeks, baby, and I've been not treating it well. Um, so yeah, so let's go back to the question. Were there any like specific people you can think of, like role models that you think really helped shape you into the men that you are today? Mm. I, er, Tracy, do you wanna go? Do you wanna go? Um, I can. Um, Take it away. I mean, uh, in terms of how I speak in particular, this was actually a trait I specifically developed from ZB. Um, it it <laughs> it was it it I I wish I could actually explain the impact of that shot the shadowing of enemy of the people and how it changed how I interact with people. So when I first got to Ohio State, um, you know, I'm coming from little small Whitehall uh, where I was known as kind of this weird mini celebrity in Whitehall because everything I had done. Um, But I would not say that I held myself with a lot of poise or grace, um, which was something I saw a lot of in you after shadowing you and getting to know you. And it it really imprints it on me in terms of even just how I speak. Um, Because I was a confident performer, but I would not say I was a comfortable public speaker or that I was comfortable commanding a room without a script or um, even like leading a team or a group Um, and seeing your style of management and being able to do that where it wasn't authoritative it was commanding respect without it being a hostile felt so comfortable for me Um, and it, it was just something that 
like I said, I that was a very specific conscious trait that I wanted to adapt. Um, so I did. I worked at it <laughs> uh, because it, it didn't come naturally to me at first. But once I saw how others could respond to it and how it was even um, a method to be able to kind of de-escalate some high tense situations, you know, just even recognizing the tone of your voice and how you say the words and the statement that you're trying to make can have an impact on the overall outcome of the situation. Being able to realize that was crucial to where I've gotten now. So, yeah, I would say in terms of what you were talking about, Dakota, with my speech pattern and thinking before I speak and being very particular with my word choice, uh, that came straight from him. <laughs> that came straight from ZV. Um I, I so appreciate hearing that. That's something that I didn't know, and, and thank you for sharing that. And I'm I'm like blushing and speechless at the same time. <laughs> Just so, <laughs> so grateful that you took so much away, um, specifically from shadowing from any of the people. I think that's really cool, and I didn't know that. Um, and it's it's so interesting for me to hear a lot of the stuff that you took away from that experience. Um, Because a lot of that is stuff that I am constantly working on myself and constantly aware of. I let me let me let me back up. Let me back up. So I, God, this really is confession. I don't know if y'all knew this. That's what I was going to start with. I don't know if y'all knew this. Um, uh, I think until I was like a sophomore in high school. Maybe it was like late freshman year, early sophomore. Let's say early sophomore. Until I was early sophomore in high school. I was very quiet. I was very, very quiet. Um, the quiet kid in the back of the class um, wouldn't raise my hand, would get immensely nervous to do any form of public speaking. And public speaking for me back then was like raising my hand in class and speaking in front of a room of like 10 people. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I've never really thought about it. I don't know that I could pinpoint an instance or a time or a moment as to why I was that way, but I, I know I was just very quiet. And it wasn't until sophomore year, you know, early mid-sophomore in high school where I kind of sat down with myself. And I, I remember so cognitively, I was like, I don't want to be quiet anymore. Like I told myself, I was like, I'm just tired of this because I felt as though I was stunting my own potential, I felt as though I was losing out on opportunities by being quiet, by being reserved, by being nervous, by being anxious. And so, you know, late sophomore, early junior year of high school, that's when I like really dove further into theater. I, you know, joined the tennis team, I joined, you know, mock trial, I started our slam poetry club. I was just like, I have more to say. And for me it was in that sort of time of self-discovery where I actually didn't realize what it what it meant for me to have something to say you know and I didn't really have a style of how I was going to say something or how I would deliver a message or how I would run a room and I started to really look around me at, at mentors and teachers and facilitators and public figures um, you know it, I think this <laughs> I think this is part of my like random obsession with Barack Obama, part of my like random obsession with 
Will Smith, you know, I started looking to like <laughs> prominent male figures and I was like, how do they do what they do? You know, and this goes back to something I said in Forever Girl where I was, I started to question, you know, how I define success. And when I, when I say su- define success, I mean, I mean that it's so many facets. I mean, you know, I think there's a, my, I have a definition of successfully speaking in my head. I have a definition of successfully thinking of what I'm going to say before I say it to get to a point. You know, and so I started redefining those like small moments of success for myself, which made me feel good because then I was like, oh, I'm being success- successful in these, you know, ways that might otherwise feel trivial. Um, but so I just started to look at things that I was like, I want to do that, uh, whether it's, you know, a speech pattern or whether it's a moment of collecting your thoughts or whether it's the way that I walk and carry myself, you know, that I, I tend to lead with a little bit of my chest and some of my head, which is very intentional when I like, enter a space. But it was just things that I had never thought about. And I think because I was always the quiet kid, I was always taking everything in. You know, because I'd be sitting in the back of the class or wouldn't be saying anything, I was watching, you know, the dynamics of a classroom or watching the dynamics of how people interacted walking down the hall. And so I knew sort of all the cards on the macro level. I knew all the cards at play. And I knew how, I knew the card that I wanted to be in that space, if that makes sense. Um, And I think that that's helped me a lot today because I can walk into a space and really analyze, I can walk into a rehearsal room and analyze, you know, you know, who the heavy hitters are, who's going to be taking up a lot of the air, who's going to need a little push, who's going to need some extra guidance. And I know exactly where I fit into that because of how that sort of that trajectory of, of getting my voice, if you will. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I'm still constantly working on that. Something that I was working on a lot early COVID and then I'm starting to work on again is, you know, the idea of knowing what I'm going to say before I say it. You know, I, I sort of the last tail end of my, uh, the tail end of grad school uh, for me, I was really looking at, you know, what areas can I really improve on and how can I improve? And one of those for me was I tend to start speaking and then just not know what I'm actually going to say, you know. And so even then I'll, I'll take like an extra four or five seconds before I'm going to launch into something because then it just makes me look silly if I don't know what I'm going to say. Um <laughs> But it's even just like that, you know, I realized that there was something I wanted to work on or change or adjust. I asked myself, or I started looking into different tactics to do so, and then I just started implementing them. And I think I just implemented that very early on in a way that allowed me to really start refining stuff, you know, when I was 14 or 15. Um, Yeah, and I, I think something that I'm constantly doing is asking myself if I am happy with xyz with myself you know and it it sounds so silly but the other day for instance i was literally literally walking down the street and i found myself kind of dragging my feet and i was like oh i don't actually like that i'm dragging my feet and then i sort of checked in with my body and i was like what's my what's my posture right now and i realized i was dragging my feet i was really hunched over and my head was down and i was like oh i don't like this I don't like the way that this looks, how I present myself. I don't like how I would walk in a room if I were myself right now. And so I like took a second, I like put my shoulders back, I put my head up and I made sure I picked my feet up. Um, and that's something that I've been aware of since last week. And so now I can kind of correct, you know, I do an autocorrect basically with my posture. But it's, I think it's those little moments of autocorrect, quote unquote, if you will, that you do with your life that kind of get you to that point of you know, whatever you're trying to achieve.
That was. Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, that was a lot more than I expected when I asked. But I'm really, really happy to hear both your responses. I'm just trying to take it all in. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate the question. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing more to add. That was a lot. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, this feels like a natural kind of stopping point. I think I feel so fulfilled. First of all, yeah, I, I, I just feel kind of mentally and spiritually healthier. I go lay down and stare at the ceiling. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's really good. Just great conversations with two of my best friends. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the podcast and, Again, I and I, I I'll say this until the day I die, but I'm I'm so selfishly a part of the podcast, and I'm just so grateful that y'all have given me the opportunity a to be the EP with you, but you know b to just have my voice on this thing that is like y'all's voices. I'm just so freaking honored. I'm very grateful you pushed your way into our production team. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm so I, grateful you came to us uh, with an opportunity. We immediately said yes. <laughs> I remember before I texted you guys too, I think I either asked history or I was like just sitting with my, I feel like I asked history. Um, and I was like, do I reach, do I just like cold reach out to them and just say like, let me work with you. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, why, like, why not? The worst thing they say is no. And I'm like, but I don't want my friends to say no. Like that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. This is so <laughs> awkward. Like if I remember when I was going to send you like <laughs> I think it was like asking you guys to like look at my resume. I was like, it's so awkward. What if, what did they say? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, of course they won't. They're your friends. Or they'll be honest with you. And then you're like, you got to just do better. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, thank Alrighty. you. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach, Zachary, sir. <laughs> We so greatly appreciate not just you taking the time to be here today, but also all of your time and energy you put into us as technically co-workers, but also just as friends and everything you do to enrich our lives. And we can't thank you enough, sir. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, back at you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. So oh, I love you, dude. And that is going to conclude for another episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. I almost forgot your name, sir. I'm sorry. How, bro? <laughs> it's on the screen, bro. <laughs> You're like, I can read that. I can't see nothing on the screen. It's on right the screen now, okay? multiple times. <laughs> Where? I don't I don't see a what? At the top. <laughs> it's at the top and it's on my I face. I see recording. Where? What face? I don't you know see what. The... Oh, okay. There yeah, it is. I know how big the font is on your screen, so it probably only says recording. <laughs> ah! It's not even that Yo, big. This, this Look, man's screen cursor... is in 108 font. <laughs> and thank you for joining us for the last episode Listen. of Keep It 100 with Dakota. And <laughs> it says, Keep It, banding. scroll down 100, scroll down <laughs> with Dakota. <laughs> Scroll down ampersand. Scroll down. (laughs) So if you if you like what you heard, the best way to support our show is to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, 
any sort of social media push you can give us as well. Tell people, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dogs. Don't tell your cats, though. We don't want cats listening to the show. Um, about the show, it is a great way. If you can give your personal recommendations about the show to other people, that's the best way for us to grow and get a bigger audience. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at keep it 100 underscore pod. Uh, I think we have a TikTok, right? We got a TikTok? We got a TikTok somewhere? Yeah, we got to revamp our TikTok. I don't know. So. I got to I gotta learn more about TikTok trends and what podcasts do on TikTok. Yeah, you got to learn how to dance. That's how we got to fix that. Got to teach how to dance. Yeah. I'm. Um, it's an uphill battle, bro. <laughs> we also have a website. So if you want up-to-date information, you want to subscribe to our newsletter, you can go to ki100pod.com. This will give you all the information. You can read uh, all of our bios are on there, for example. Um, so you, when you click the team button, you can be able to read all about everyone who makes this wonderful production. Um, if you really want to help support and go just a little extra step further, you can subscribe to our Patreon page. This is where we'll post exclusive content that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Some behind the scenes footage, all of that good stuff. That is at patreon.com slash keep it 100 underscore pod. Or if you just go to ki100pod.com forward slash Patreon, it'll take you where you need to go. We also have merch. So if you go to ki100pod.com slash merch, buy the t-shirts, buy the water bottles, buy the stickers and the magnets and the tote bags now. I think we got tote bags and cell phone cases and 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 wallets and 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 I think there's a bathroom curtain and rug now. <laughs> Which you are required to get. And honestly, <laughs> All of our links are on the website. I need y'all to go and save Choicey some breath because he told you three different tabs about our website. So now, <laughs> right now, I'm watching you. You know, these sound waves go two ways. I can see your phone. You know, everything's connected nowadays. Go go on that website. Go on that website right now. Um, but yeah, it's all there. It's all great. And we love you. It's all We got there. a Patreon. We got our Cash App. Do we have PayPal? Yeah, that was the first thing we had. So Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. If you're yeah, like me, coin, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, send us uh, send up some crypto. I got an idea for y'all. I don't know what to do with that. If <laughs> if y'all got PayPal, set up your credit card with it, like I do. So then, if you send us money, you'll get one percent cash back for sending us money. Maybe, you know, it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> you send us a dollar, you get a cent. I mean, that's kind of nice. It's kind of cute of us. Of us, like we did it. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a penny back. Uh, <laughs> um, last thing. So one last announcement before we let you all go. The it's one. the biggest thing that I told you about at the beginning of the show. So, because um, this episode will be released right when we make this announcement. So we are going to be producing a brand new podcast. <gasps> so we're actually going to be hosting a competition online in which you can submit an application and complete like an interview process with anyone from our team. Um, and whoever we select will receive brand new equipment, such as this beautiful Yeti X microphone and these beautiful boozy, which is apparently Bose, um, but I'm going to call it boozy <laughs> headphones uh, for each member who is actually one of the co-hosts of the new podcast that we p- produce. Um, Applications will go live on February 1st, and it'll give you more information about how to apply. So if you just go to ki100pod.com, you'll be able to see all the information up there. But 
I'm excited to produce and give a voice to some new podcasters. You can already have been in a podcast world and looking to have another show. You could have never done a podcast before. It doesn't matter. Shoot your shot. Tell us what you're looking to have happen. And we may choose you to be a part of the Keep It 100 Productions family. (sighs) So exciting. I mean, if y'all are going to make a podcast anyway, why not try to get free equipment? Hey, true. And this is nice equipment. It's all colorful and shit, too. There's buttons. There's buttons. I'll be touching the whole show. Anytime I'm quiet, I'm messing with stuff. If Doc's here, I promise you I'm not. I swear to God, I haven't touched it. He probably is. No, please, no. I'm on camera. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, could you? Could you see if I was touching that? No, you Uh, can't see. Are you touching it now? Maybe I am. Oh, I can see it. I think your toes are touching it. (laughs) My whole I am not that flexible. You're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. Remember, keep it nasty. Keep it 100. Go look up Zachary J. Bailey, the illustrious stage manager and king and producer. Love you. Cue music. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. We want to welcome to the Keep It 100 family our amazing executive producer, Zachary J. Bailey, and our talented audio editor, Zoxia Ragu. We would also like to thank our dear, dear friend, Isri Wajay Sundara, for all of her support on our show. Remember to keep it nasty and keep it 100. <laughs>